From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour was made in Illinois with a man named Jason. While speaking with Vice.com, Jason shared that he has enjoyed betting money here and there for most of his life. He played poker with friends as a teenager. He made occasional trips to casinos. But he started to hear ads for expanded casino and gambling online with sports betting. It became legal in Illinois in 2019. Jason says that as he navigated personal issues during the pandemic, he turned to gambling to blow off steam. He found that using mobile apps for betting allowed him to do everything he could have done at a casino, but, quote, I didn't have to explain where I was or anything like that. I didn't have to answer to anybody, end quote. By 2022, Jason did not go a day without making a bet. He lost a couple hundred thousand dollars. He told Vice, I felt like I had to be gambling at all times. Since recognizing he had a problem, Jason joined Gamblers Anonymous. Now, here in New York, mobile wagering has topped more than a billion dollars, and it reached that number quickly. The numbers just in the first month a year ago were similar to other states like Illinois. And as Vice reported, New York saw more profits than any other state in its opening month. Many people can make wagers, can have fun, and be able to walk away. But others, like Jason and an estimated 6.6 million Americans, cannot. And struggles with gambling addictions affect young people as well. According to survey data from the National Council on Problem Gambling last year, more than 40% of people ages 18 to 44 gambled online last year, compared to 21% of people ages 45 to 54. Now, advocates for sports gaming and um, for sports betting say, yes, this is a real issue. They have never denied it. They say the solution is to fund help, support, and treatment, but the solution is not to take freedoms away from many Americans who enjoy this. Sometimes daily, yes, but sometimes weekly or monthly. With the rise of sports betting has come a rise in the advertising of it. The New York State Gaming Commission recently proposed new rules for advertising and marketing online sports betting. The new rules, if enacted, would target minors and college students and would come with standards for content and tone. At the federal level, New York Congressman Paul Tonko has proposed legislation that would ban online and electronic advertising of sports betting. He has said he wants to put sports betting in the same category as cigarette smoking and how we allow it to be advertised or not, how we allow it to get in front of children or not. Do you agree? Is that a fair comparison? What have we learned in the first year of sports betting? Where do we go next here? We discuss the proposed regulations with our guests now. Joe Sayre is the former vice president of business development for GBE Technologies. Joe, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Evan. Sorry I couldn't be in person today. No problem. Elizabeth Toomey is team leader for the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center. Elizabeth, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having me. Um, we've heard from Congressman Tonko and other comparisons to, to tobacco advertising, and, and I'm going to get back to some of those points in just a second. But let me ask both of our guests for some opening thoughts as we, we take a look at the landscape. We, we think about um, what's happening in this state now that we've had a chance to kind of evaluate what it looks like when sports betting is happening, who's doing it, um, where it's advertised. Joe, how has it gone so far? Do you see any issues that you would like to see changed? Yeah, I mean, obviously sports, sports wagering in, in New York State has had a um, massive success, which, which isn't a surprise with the, 
with the amount of professional teams here that we have here in the state and the amount of people in the state. I would say in regards to, to the advertising and the, the gluttony of, of the advertising that we that we see, I believe a lot of that was incentivized by by the tax and regulations that were put on the, the sports betting providers and operators by New York State. I mean, they're paying a tax rate of 51 percent on on all all of their all of their profits. So they, and it's a very cutthroat cutthroat market. So they're they're truly fighting for market share to try to drive as many profits as possible to to recoup a lot of their investment that came prior to opening in New York State with the building out of the platforms and in the, the licenses and fees that they have to pay. To- Joe, um, I'll get back to the question on taxes in a second. Let me ask Elizabeth Toomey, who is, again, team leader for the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center, what your organization has seen in the past year. We've seen a lot with the advertising. Um, It's everywhere. Um, You can't turn on a sports channel. You can't turn on any channel, really, without seeing advertisements from one of the platforms. And it's triggering for some people. We have people calling in and saying they can't even watch um, a regular sports game on TV anymore because it's triggering for them because they're talking the betting language and all that um, during the sporting events, and it's triggers for some people. What, what is the best estimate that you have, if you have one, for how much of your work is now focused on sports betting or, or how much of sort of the, um, the resources that you provide have had to go toward this issue? Um, I would say in the past year, we've had about a 30% increase um, in calls to our line, um, with most of those callers being um, mobile sports bettors looking for help. What's the, what's the protocol then? Um, when you get such a call, how do you work through that? Um, when we get a call, um, it's just like any other type of gambling. Um, we we talk with them, find out um, what what's going on with them, and and um, what the problem is, and and then we connect them to the best um, help that they want. It's not about what we want; it's about what they they want and the help they're looking for. So. We can connect them to Gambling Anonymous. We can get, we can connect them to other um, self-help groups, or we can connect them to our clinical network, which is a group of um, professional clinicians that are trained in problem gambling um, counseling, and they can get the help that they need from them. Elizabeth, I want to ask if a parallel that comes to mind for me is accurate, or, or I might be overthinking, uh, oversimplifying the issue of, for example, alcoholism. But when I think about um, the people in my life that I know who have struggled with um, addiction to alcohol, it is, um, I, I, first of all, I feel greatly for them, and I admire the courage that, that people I know have taken in dealing with some of these challenges. And I, I think of myself as fortunate. I mean, I like to have a glass of wine or a cocktail. I do not feel the need to have it every day. I, I do not feel the need, if I have one, to have multiple. It is not an issue of control or anything like that for me. And I, 
So for a long time, I thought, well, I just kind of got pretty fortunate that there's probably people in the population who are more prone to addiction um, with alcohol, for example, and uh, I handle it okay. People, uh, uh, the people who don't, I feel, I feel for. And I wonder if, um, if that is the case with something like sports betting, where, you know, I mean, I, I, if I made a bet, I could make a bet. I don't feel like I need to make a bet tomorrow or next week. Not a big deal. But for people like Jason in Illinois, who we mentioned off the top, who talked to Vice.com for a feature that they were writing on addiction, um, he said he, he could not stop. It had to be every day, and it, and it snowballed. Is that a fair comparison? Is that, or is that oversimplifying? Addiction is addiction. Um, you, you know, if somebody um, is going to have a problem with gambling and it's, um, they, they, they feel the need to gamble, gamble all the time, it's a problem. Just like with alcoholism, um, a person who feels like they need to have that drink and that second drink and that third drink, that's the same thing with gambling. We call gambling the hidden addiction because... We don't, a lot of times that addiction doesn't rear its face, if you want to say, um, until it's too late and they've gone down that, um, that those phases of addiction um, before anyone really catches up with it. Where with an alcoholism diagnosis, somebody, friends and family see that coming on. Where with, with gambling, it can happen very quickly, and especially with sports betting now and having 24-7 access on your phones and on your computers, um, we're seeing that kind of spiral for some people much more quickly. Listeners, I'd like to hear from you if you've um, tried any sports betting in New York State since it's been legal and what your experience has been. Um, I'm also curious to know if you see the ads and if that... Um, if that has pulled you in or if that sort of a, just kind of annoys you, 844-295-TALK, 844-295-8255, 263-WXXI if you're in Rochester, 263-9994. You can email the program, connections at wxxi.org. I admit, Joe Sarah, I laugh every time I hear uh, stop saying helmet catch. I mean, that's, that's a funny ad to me. I see a lot of it. Uh, but boy, do I see it a lot. And um, the point you're making, I think, Joe, is that uh, these companies feel like they've got to increase their their base because of what is, I, I think, in your mind, a kind of an onerous take that the state or a cut to the state. Um, can you explain a little bit more? Yeah. And, and just to be clear, I didn't work for an operator. I worked for a platform provider, so I don't have the complete insight. But from, from all the companies, attended in networking new york state taxes the the mobile sports wagering operators at a, a rate that's significantly higher than any state in in the country now I, I don't know if that directly directly correlates to do we see more ads in new york versus say colorado or new jersey or or one of the other i would say more progressive states on sports sports wagering um but i that is like, likely uh, a large factor, a factor there. I would also say that, that a lot of those revenues are going towards help for people that are addicted with, with sports rage, wagering. That was a big, a big push and a big factor that was put in when the regulations were approved here, here in New York State. And, you know, I'll go back to my, go back to the point that I made a year ago when I was on your show when, when the legalization was, when it became fully legal. 
was that it also it finally put sports wagering in in the light and it's putting it in a market that can be regulated where you can see if you if you need help um you know you you do get notifications if you're betting very very consistently on on the sports app or on the apps to if you're like that consistent every day 24 7 better to, to give you give you help, uh resources and, and help um so I think over overall that yes, there is a ton of advertisements. I do agree with some of the regulations that that have been proposed. I think that anything that is targeted towards children needs to needs to end immediately. Um, but I think that there's definitely going to be advertisements within sports games. I mean, every professional sports league in the in the country has has fully embraced um, sports wagering and made it part of their broadcast. Joe's making an interesting point that I, I want to kind of check in with Elizabeth Toomey on from the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center. So um, Joe's point is that it's not like before a year ago there was nobody betting on sports in this state. Um, just as, guess what, police raid poker games in, in this town. Um, that It happens. People, there are underground games, and it happens. People play poker for money. Whether it is legal or not, they've got home games. There are places of business set up sometimes. We've seen raids. We saw one last week in Rochester. So Joe's point is that sports betting is in that category. People were doing it, whether it was legal or not, or they were finding kind of ways to go about it. But when it was not legal in this state, you had a situation where if someone developed a problem, they might not, um, number one, have the resources quickly available to get help or be willing to go to anybody to talk about it because of the illicit right. nature of it. And so now I have no doubt. I mean, I, I don't think Joe would argue that uh, against the, the fact that there are more people betting on sports. There are definitely more New Yorkers betting on sports now than there were a year ago. But the question, Elizabeth, is do they have much better access? And is it sort of netting out in a way that is going to help more people, if that makes sense? What do you think? Well, history shows that the increase of accessibility of gambling opportunities is going to follow with the increase of people that are experiencing problems. So so basically, we're here to help those people. And as, as they recognize that they're having um, uh negative effects from their gambling, we're just really here to serve them and help them and get them the help that they need. Um, do you find that, how to like, quantify this, but do we know at all, Elizabeth, the, the percentage of people who end up with an addiction to gambling who will seek help for it? Um, I don't know if we have specific numbers um, per se, on how many people actually seek help. Um, but like I said earlier, our call volume in the last year has increased by 30% of people calling, New Yorkers, calling us for help. Okay. Um, and do you have a sense for how successful you are with people who need your help? Um, we, have a, we have a much higher rate of success than some of the other addictions that people call in for help to the, to the New York helpline and stuff with. 
Um, and I think that's due to how specialized we are with our clinical network of being specific. Our program managers that um, talk with um, someone who's calling in for um, their problem with gambling um, really tries to set up that person with the right clinician or so they will be successful. And we also have no barriers to treatment. So if somebody calls and they're out of money, out of work, don't have insurance, we will work with them to make sure they get the help that they need um, and, and not turn them away because they don't have insurance or they don't have money to pay for their treatment. We are here to serve New Yorkers and make sure that they get the help they need with no barriers to that help. Yeah, and um, Elizabeth, do you find that most of the time when someone is at the point where they call you, has it gone far enough where something in their life is in real jeopardy? Or are you hearing from people who are at the early stages who are worried about where it's going and controlling it? Um, I would say we have both types of callers. We have some that are calling saying, hey, I think I have a problem. Others who were saying, I'm calling because I was given an alternative and I need to really see if I have a problem or not and I need some help. Um, and then we have those, um, what we're, we're getting calls now from parents of college-age students, their kids away at college, and they're calling saying, I need help. What do we do in this situation? Wow. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So a kid goes to college and this is a new wrinkle of freedom, I guess. This is a new. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, we, we, and, and we know that with some of the advertising that are out there, they're specifically um, advertising and pointing their advertising um, at college age towns because they're the ones that are watching. Hmm. Well, Joe, so you have said from the beginning that you understand the issues, that you think that this can be done in a way that, that funds some of the solution. Um, but you also, I think, well, you pointed out, you're absolutely correct a year ago when you pointed out there's a lot of people who want to do this. This is uh, mm -hmm. opening more opportunity for people to, to engage in an activity that they would like to engage in. Ohio, where I'm from, started doing this recently. Uh, it's been huge already in Ohio. So... You know, I mean, the dominoes are falling for sure. This has, um, are you surprised at all, Joe, how much velocity this has picked up in different places? Not at all, because at the end of the day, sports are a, a main source of entertainment in, in the United States and, and across, across the world. And if you look at Europe, Europe is light years ahead of us in terms of, of sports betting adoption. And the popularity it is over there is, is being seen here in the United States is as well um i would like to touch on on the, the college students and i think that that yes there is definitely targeted advertisements to them but it's not necessarily because they're watching because if you actually look at at some of the staff stats of adoptions of sports fans that the the generation sorry the younger younger generations actually are watching sports at a, a much less lower rate than the generations that, that previously existed. I'd also say New York State took some pretty strong steps to limit, um, to limit the incentivization of college students 
by by not allowing you to bet on on local college sports. So, for example, us being in Rochester, New York, we can't bet on Syracuse basketball. We can't bet on UB football. Uh, so there there already are are steps steps there as well um, that are that are taking place. But but no, I'm not at all surprised to see see the success or the popularity success if you want to use that word. But but the, definitely the popularity of of sports betting. I mean it's it is if you see it as a source of enter, entertainment and and have discretionary income that you want to allot to that, then then it's safe. But yes, if if you if you are either prone to addiction or or you don't have the resources available um, to do it and are looking at sports betting as a way out of a hole, then then yes, you need to reach out and, and get help. And I would say that that 30% increase to the call line is one is in in a way showing the the success of the New York State regulations already because you have people reaching out for help that probably didn't even know these resources existed prior to January of 2022. Um, we're we're going to get to the question of advertising in just a second, but but let me make sure I understand a few things here, Joe. So you can see how much of a novice I am with sports betting. Uh, I am ignorant about uh, how certain things work. So you're saying here, I, I live in Rochester. I can't bet on Syracuse or UB? Correct. You cannot bet on any college sport in New York State. No no college sports. Okay. Correct, yeah. I, and I think that, 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 too, that was designed two-tone. One, to, one to limit the, the, like, if you're a Syracuse student, limit that person from being like, oh, I'm going to go to every Syracuse basketball game and bet on it. And two to limit the, the illegal the illegal game game um, like fixing of games and things that could happen because they assume that college athletes that at that point no money uh, would have potentially been influenced um, to potentially fix games to ah uh, uh, okay to raise funds. all right so so again that last point is college uh, athletes are still not paid, and I don't need to get into this whole sidetrack discussion over whether, if you're on a scholarship, is that a okay? We'll have that conversation on a separate day. But I think what Joe was saying is there was too much concern about the incentive of a college student to throw a game and place a big wager on it when they can control the outcome. Yes, Joe. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Is, is that true, by the way, Joe? In other states, uh, is, that you can't bet on college athletics. It is not. It's not true across the board. Each each state, and that is, I think, one of the issues with sports betting is it is a state state's rights issue. So each state has a different set of of legislation and regulations around it. A lot of them are modeled after New Jersey because that was the first one. I'm not positive if New Jersey allows wagering on um, on college sports in their domiciled state. Okay, and when it comes to you know. Uh, say kids, young adults going off to college, um, it it can be a lot. It can be a lot of freedom. I remember my first semester in college. It was a lot. I learned a lot about the freedom that comes with that and the responsibility that comes with that. Are you um, are you worried, Joe, that um, you know that that this added layer is too much for some college students or do you think again this is something that um is comes with the freedom of being able to do this i think it's something that that comes with the freedom of of being adult my concern about uh, a college student slipping into uh, a gambling addiction would be 
no more or less than slipping into an alcohol addiction or, or a drug addiction. I mean, you're you're true you're you're truly free in the sense for the for the first first time that you have one the the age limit that allows you to do a lot of certain things and and also the lack of potential parental controls. I would say that if colleges aren't talking about the dangers of sports betting in their orientations in the same way they talk about the dangers of alcohol or drugs, that they're doing a disservice to their students. Okay. I I remember a moment I had, the only time I ever went to Vegas, and I confess, I didn't love it, but, you know, everybody's got different tastes, and that's fine. But I was sitting at a blackjack table, and it was a $10 table, and watched a person next to me sits down and is very talkative and told the table he was going to engage in what he called the doubling theory. I'd never heard this before. The idea was, well, you want to win a bet, you want to win 10 bucks, uh, you, you, you bet 10 bucks. If you lose that hand, then you double your next bet, 20 bucks. And if you win that one, now you're up 10 bucks. But if you lose that one, then you double from there. Now it's a $40 bet. And as long as you win that one, now you're up 10 bucks. But if you lose that third one, then you bet 80 bucks. And if you lose that one, uh, then you bet 160. Well, guess what happened? He lost nine in a row. And exponential math is not something that a lot of people think about. But my goodness, when you double 10 and 20 and 40 and 80 and 160 and 320, you are quickly out of money. And even though the odds tell you that you know, you're not likely to lose nine or 10 in a row, it is going to happen inevitably to somebody at some table. It happened right there. And this person was distraught. The money was gone. I mean, lots and lots of money on a $10 table. And he thought this was a foolproof plan. And I just bring this up because that stuck with me in such a profound way. And I can see, Joe, like, I mean, I understand the point you're making about alcohol and drugs and thinking about college kids and thinking, well, I'm, I'm just as concerned about, you know, college students being uh, possibly prone to those kinds of addictions. I only bring that up because when it comes to, to betting on anything, if you haven't done it, 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 it can shock you how fast it can get out of hand, even if you don't feel like you're addicted, if that makes sense. And, and I, have you encountered anything like that? And, and how do you sort of navigate the impulse to try to chase something, Joe? I mean, I think that kind of comes, comes down to self-control and personal responsibility at the end of the at the end of the day i mean that imp- that's always always going to be there like you're always going to want to want to chase the win because studies will show that the the feeling of of the win is is so so great but but i would tell you that the feeling of the loss is is even worse than how good the feeling of the win can be um but i would say th- there's a lot of theories when it comes to sports betting and there's a lot of theories around gambling and in, in general that people might might try and I'm, I wouldn't say that I would in, endorse any any of those per se, um, but I think it like there needs to be some personal responsibility, and that comes that comes from from education about about the dangers of it, and truly laying laying that out, Evan, as you as you show, you know, if you're if you're like I'm going to bet the March Madness and I'm going to double my bet each time until until I get a win, um, like you need someone needs to show you. Well, you you could easily lose hundreds if not thousands of dollars but i would say one of the positives of of uh legalization versus illegal gambling is when you when you sports bet illegally you're betting money that you don't necessarily have which where with legal 
legal sports betting, you have to deposit the money into that account. So it's money that, that you've chosen to to uh, go for or to make make those wagers with. Okay. Uh, so a lot there. Um, let me just ask uh, Elizabeth about a couple of things. That last point, I think, is an important one that Joe brings up. Um, mm-hmm. w- when people bet sort of underground, a bookie will take your bet. They may not check your account, and that's all of a sudden how you're down uh, more money than you got. And what Joe's saying is that can't really happen here. Is that an advantage as you see it, Elizabeth? Um, I, I think with some of the regulations and safeguards in place, that being one that it comes out of an account and everything, yes, that, that, is, a, that is a good safeguard um, that has been put in place um, for, for people that they have to have that money put into the account ahead of time. That doesn't mean they're going to stop paying. They're not going to use the money that they were supposed to use for their car payment or their rent or take money from uh, retirement funds or college funds to fund it. But it definitely is a safeguard um, that is in place that that is very helpful. Do you see the increase in, let let me just remind people if they missed it earlier, Elizabeth from the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center says that, you know, they're up around 30% in calls and outreach from the public in the last year since sports betting uh, became legal in the state for people who need help. And Joe is saying that, that that could be an indicator that people are getting the message on where to find help, um, that an indication that at least the system in some sense is working. What do you think, Elizabeth? I hope it's working. <laughs> um, as I said, we, we uh, the indicator with more calls coming, and as I said earlier, you know, the more accessibility to any type of gambling um the more people that are going to be um, affected with negative consequences. And that's what we're really here to do is help those people and their families that are struggling. Um, I have to take our only break, but we're going to get to this. The proposal on advertising is interesting and the way that different um, public leaders are framing this issue is interesting. I also want to talk when we come back about a terminology that you see. Sometimes you hear risk-free bets, risk-free bets. And the New York State Gaming Commission, um, a member of Congress, others have that phraseology in their sites because they are not happy with that. They say it's misleading. I think that Joe can help us understand what certain terms mean. Joe Sarah is with us, a former vice president of business development for GBE Technologies. And I, I think I'll ask him on the other side if he is fair is okay with me calling him this, but I, I think he's an advocate for responsible sports betting. Responsible being a key word. Elizabeth Toomey, team leader for the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center, which has seen an increase in uh, the needs for their services in the last year since sports betting became legal in the state. We'll talk about what could be changing on the other side of this, our only break. I'm Evan Dawson. Wednesday on The Next Connections. You might have heard us talk about SIVs and their challenge in getting to the United States. We'll meet a man who has been stuck in Turkey trying to get to Rochester and update his story. In our second hour, a conversation about what farmers can use as sprays or seeds and a new law that could change it. We'll hear from more farmers. I'm Evan Dawson. Joe Sarah, is that description okay with you? Would you think of yourself as an advocate for responsible sports betting? 100% with the 
the key word being responsible. Okay, fair enough. I just want to make sure I didn't give you a label that you wouldn't agree with. Um, so what we see sometimes is, um, you know, make your first risk-free bet. And we see, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name any of the particular books or companies because they might use slightly different terminology, but that is essentially the broad scope of, of, of what they are saying. And Kurt Streeter for the New York Times says that, um, he says, that if, if you turn into the ads during Super Bowl week, they gush over how you can wager during the game on everything from the coin toss to who will be the first receiver to catch a pass. They will hype the fun of parlay bets and so-called risk-free bets, which are not risk-free at all. There's a cost, and it can devastate, end quote. One thing that the New York State Gaming Commission will investigate is whether to change uh, the rules to say that you can't call any bet risk-free, you can't, that you cannot use that phrase. Joe, how do you feel about that phrase risk-free, and what would you want people to know? I think that it's incredibly misleading, and I think that, that those changes are, are definitely needed because you see that not only in, in your state-focused state, state uh, focused ads, but you see that in the national ads. And what it means by risk-free is, let's say, it's like risk-free, your first bet up to $1,000. That sounds great, right? That sounds, if I put $1,000 on the bills uh, to beat the Bengals in the divisional round and when they, they disappointed me and and, and lost, I would just get that $1,000 back. But you don't. You get $1,000 back in, in bonus bet credit or bet credits. So in, in no way is it truly risk-free because at the end of the day, you're not getting that $1,000 back, back in cash. You would then have to bet, bet all, all of that money. So it's, it, it would be better, better phrased as you'll get a bonus of, of this embeddable funds or, or something around that. But I think the risk-free phrasing is misleading and needs, needs to end immediately. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And I really appreciate your description there um, because I hope that my comments on when I met the, the guy in Vegas who was doing the doubling theory, I hope people understand, please don't ever do that. Please do not, do not underestimate just how much it could be you who uh, the dice show that you're going to end up in that one out of whatever number who loses eight bets in a row, six bets in a row, 10 bets in a row, 10 coin flips in a row, somebody will. And if you cannot afford to lose it, don't even play with that. It's just, it's, please do not do that. Um, so people, I think, get misled by certain things. And Joe's description of what risk-free means, forget the doubling theory and losing six or eight or 10 in a row. You could be out that money, real money, in two bets because... Joe, tell me if I have this right. So let's say it's up to 1000 bucks. I put $1,000 of my real money in the account. I make a bet. And the Cleveland Cavaliers somehow don't beat Boston tomorrow um, or don't cover. And I bet the full 1000 Well, if I won that bet, then I would win $1,000 in real money minus whatever the juice is or whatever the term you use. Um, but if I lose that, well, now I've got $1,000 in my account of quote-unquote money, but I can't cash it out. It's a credit that I can keep betting with a chance to win real money. Or let's say I go, okay, well, the Cavs lost. I lost that 1000 but I've got $1,000 in bettable credit. I'm going to bet the next night. Cavs are playing a back-to-back. -back. I think that's a fun idea to bet a another night. We'll put another 1000 down. I lose that. Now I'm out the actual 1000 bucks, and I'm out the credit. I've got nothing left in the account. 
I've lost real money. That 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 probably is routine. I'm not. Uh, that what I just described is probably pretty common. Is is that fair, Joe? I I would say yes. That is that would okay. be very. That's a good explanation of it, and I would say it's fairly common. Okay, so uh, Elizabeth Toomey, how do you feel about the phraseology of risk-free betting, and how do you feel about efforts to ban that in this state? I totally agree with Joe. He couldn't have put it more perfect. It is not um, risk-free betting. Um, that it, that terminology needs to be banned as quickly as possible because it's deceiving to the betters. Do you have people who end up needing your services at the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center, of which, by the way, listeners, um, we'll make sure that we have contact for that center on our podcast page, and um, you'll be able to access them. But I'm sure it's an easy Google as well, Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center. Elizabeth, do you have people who end up needing your resources who say, look, I— I thought I was getting in easy. They said it was risk-free. I thought, you know, I couldn't lose. And now all of a sudden, you know, it, 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 it snowballed on me. Does that happen? Uh, I think by time they're calling us, they've started that way, and it has progressed. And then they chased it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And they chased, yeah. Um, okay. So, Joe, you like the phrase, um, you know, a, a possible bonus credit or something along those lines. But I did want to also ask you um, if you think if the um, if the sports books are using this terminology, which is clearly misleading, I actually think that's going to be bad for them for business in the long run. Maybe again, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm naive about way too much. But I would think that when people really figure out that they are not leveling with people about what they are offering, I would think that would be bad for business in the long run. Maybe it's not. Maybe that. Maybe that allure of risk-free is so powerful that it will overcome any stigma they could get from misleading the public. What do you think, Joe? I think that it could be bad for business in the long run, but in order for that to truly happen, New York State has to relax the regulations and allow more competition of the operators. Right now, I think there's there's either five or six operators, um, operators approved in New York State, and honestly, there's Three of them that are like good customer experience wise operators, whereas you see a Colorado that has 29 or 30. So you have a lot more competition. The consumer has a lot more choice and the consumer would then be able to um, leave the leave the, the, the organization that promote that risk free or things of that nature um, and, and go to ones that, that may more ethically align with with what they believe. Well, we'll see what happens with the phrase uh, risk-free. The New York Gaming Association, Gaming Commission is, is taking a look at that, among other changes. Um, Massachusetts has looked at this. We could see federal legislation. There's a lot happening, and my guess is this will be a very active year. Robert in Fairport on the phone. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, it just seems like uh, there should be age limits established for this so that college kids are not gambling when they're in college. Um, free gambling, that's equivalent to what the tobacco industry did, you know, decades ago. They gave away free cigarettes to get people addicted to that. And uh, it just feels like the same thing with free gambling, you know, uh, gambling on the house money and you can make money without putting anything up. Other thing is the State Gaming Commission, um, 
this gaming commission, you know, let's not pretend that they're out there to try to, you know, persuade consumers to take uh, adult actions. Uh, they had a big uh, – about the time the state got involved in uh, the uh, expansion of the casinos, they really cracked down on church raffles. They're out there to eliminate gambling competition. Yeah, so, Robert, uh, two really good points. Let me just ask real quick here. Not everybody goes to college to state the obvious. Not every uh, person who reaches adulthood goes to college. Um, so just on the note of kids should not be doing it in college, what would you say to people who say, look, I'm 19, I'm an adult, I'm not going to college, I'm allowed to, to bet, what do you think? Did we lose Robert? Oh, no, I, yeah, go ahead, Robert. I, I, I think that, uh, well, the college, I, I think the the age limit would be the thing. I mean, okay. there's an age limit for consuming alcohol of yep. 21 years. Yep. Um, an age limit, a similar age limit for gambling would make sense. Okay. I, I appreciate all that, Robert. So there's a lot to work through. Let's start with, um, l- let me start with just an age limit. Um Joe, uh, remind people how old you have to be to do this, and how do you feel about 21? Uh, you have to be 18 to do it, and, I mean, I would feel for an age limit the same way I feel about an age limit for anything, then then it needs to be a universal age limit for adulthood. If you can if you can join the military, you can get drafted, you can fly. Well, I don't know if you can smoke cigarettes in New York at 18 anymore. I don't think you can. But then it, it needs to be universal. It can't just be... Well, we consider you an adult in some ways, but we don't consider you an adult in others. Okay, um, that's fair enough. Elizabeth Toomey, I don't know if your organization um, takes a position on age limits. Uh, anything you want to add to changing the age to, from 18 to 21 to bet on sports? Um, we take a neutral stance when it comes to gambling on age and everything. But what I can say from a prevention background and from a prevention lens, the the later we can get people to uh, young children or young adults to not engage in a behavior, the more, the higher it is that they won't become addicted. Okay. Um, I should also point out, and I should have said this earlier, but um, Elizabeth and her organization, the, the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center is neutral on this issue. They are simply providing their expertise in helping people who need support, treatment, um, services. And they want to be there, um, and they have seen an increase in the need for these services in the last year. Now, the notion of the New York State Gaming Commission not being neutral, they want to eliminate some competition, as, as Robert says. Uh, I will say this has been a big moneymaker for New York State. I think, I, I've read, Joe, Sarah, around a billion dollars in revenue. Um, what are you reading, Joe? So as, as I've left the industry, I'm not as... Um not as up on on the numbers but i think in the first six months of 2022 they the new york state cleared 500 million dollars in tax revenue yes only is only going up so you're you're looking at a a billion dollars there from a revenue and i would say you know i would i would tend to agree with uh with richard's point i mean Really, one of the largest issues of, of gambling and gaming is, is New York State Lottery. If you look from a demographic standpoint and a, an income standpoint of, of who buys and purchases and gambles the most, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely not on the higher end of the, the income scale. Okay. Um, so the interesting thing to watch here going forward will be how much the Gaming Commission of New York State is willing to regulate advertising 
because it could be perceived that the harder you regulate advertising, the more you cut into what has been a billion-dollar cash cow in revenue for New York State coffers. So part of what they are looking at, the responsible in terms of um, a, a possible series of, of guidelines and um, changes, would be to regulate where advertising can be played or if it can be played at all. We have um, Congressman Tomko from downstate comparing this industry to tobacco, saying, you know, hey, uh, we, we, we cracked down on, on what tobacco companies could do. Here's how the New York Times writes about it. Quote, after years of consumer lawsuits and investigations that showed the tobacco industry was doing all it could to get people hooked on a deadly product, the Food and Drug Administration severely limited cigarette advertising. The last Marlboro Man commercial aired in 1999. You cannot buy a pack of cigarettes without being confronted by a label warning that smoking can lead to cancer, lung disease, diabetes, or other terrible diseases, end quote. And so the idea is some kind of parallel that limits where gaming companies can ad advertise on television and elsewhere and how they have to sort of present their material. So maybe if they run a digital ad, an internet ad, a TV ad, to the extent we still have televisions, maybe, you know, half of it has to include possible risks and concerns, et cetera. There's a lot that this could end up looking like, or they could just limit how much they can advertise, period. Joe, is any of that reasonable to you? I think I, in a way, I, I, I agree with it. And I do, I would say that all gaming ads do include um, disclaimers about the, the dangers of, of mobile sport, of, of sports wagering and gambling in general. I would say that if, if you're going to start regulating it and requiring 10 seconds or 20 seconds for each video ad or, or something like that, then, like that needs to be a bigger conversation. Like, why would it just be cigarettes and sports betting? It should be alcohol. It should be fast food. And, and I think that that kind of opened a rabbit hole to, to dive down. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth Toomey, does your organization take a position on the notion of severely restricting advertising for sports betting? Um, we don't, but we are all for it because the less advertising to the less young people see those advertisements and um, will not engage or be curious about it, um, uh, less exposure to kids. Tom writes to say, Evan, I'm wondering how many people begin their gambling addiction playing bingo. Back in the 80s, when Father Jim Callen was the priest for Corpus Christi uh, Church at Maine and Prince, he got rid of the church-sponsored bingo game. He was well aware of how the game exacerbated the problems many folks had with gambling. Let me just say, um, if any folks, I, 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 I presume Tom is sending me an email that is accurately encapsulating local history. If, um, so if that's wrong, correct me. But I, I understand the point Tom's making, a concern that, um, yes, it's just church bingo, but um, kind of a gateway drug. Uh, how do you see that one, Elizabeth? Um, any type of... Um risking something of value for a chance of a reward, whether it be bingo, a raffle, any of that can be exciting and can normalize gambling um, for, for people and, and can uh, increase risk of other types of gambling coming into play. Okay. Um, Joe, do you... 
Do you think we overemphasize the notion of gateway gambling or, or you know, what, what has been your experience there? Yeah, I would have a hard time making the leap from a, a church bingo game to an everyday sports better. I, I think that, um, that that's, that's a leap. I would also say it's the, the, the differences in, in types of gambling kind of prohibit that too. Cause just because you like sports wagering doesn't mean you're going to go play slots or doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy table games. Those are two wildly different items and issues or I, or, yeah, sure. And, and I, I take the point, Joe. So in our last couple of minutes, let me just ask Joe, final thoughts. How can how can sports betting improve in the state and in this country so that to your taste for wanting the freedom to do it, that's there, but there's also the opportunity to make sure that people are not hurt by it? Yeah, I think, um, one, I do think that some of the regulations on advertisements need to get passed. I think that anything that is child maybe you maybe you limit it to sports betting can only be advertised during sporting events like that that to me is a fair compromise i think number two elimination of the the risk-free those those first-time promos that ever that all these that all the operators utilize to to entice people to to try their site needs to needs to happen or at least the marketing of it needs to change in a dramatic way and then i would say my my third way to make sports betting sports betting Safer across across the the uh, United States is definitely a pipe dream, but it would be limits based on based on your income. Like you have to submit your income to to the site when when you sign in, and based on that, it's a calculation of discretionary income, and and you can only bet a, up to a certain certain amount or a certain number of times for a, a day, a week, a month, whatever that period would be. Interesting. Um, Elizabeth Toomey from the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center. How do people get in touch with your organization if they need you? So you, they can um, Google us at um, nyproblemgamblinghelp.org, or they can call 585-351-2262. 585-351-2262. It's the Finger Lakes Problem Gambling Resource Center helping a lot of people. Elizabeth, thank you for the work you're doing and for the perspective. It's been good having you. Thank you. Joe Sayre is the former vice president of business development for GBE Technologies. And um, I think someone who, who does a good job of explaining what's out there when it comes to sports betting for us, an advocate for responsible sports betting. Joe, thanks for making time for the program as always. Thanks for having me. And from the whole team at Connections, it's Evan and Rob and Megan. We're grateful that you listen. Thanks for doing that, and we're back with you tomorrow on member-supported public radio.